So basically, uh, Corey, the basic practice is the only practice. The question is, can we do it in all of those diverse situations? And the easiest way to get started is getting into seclusion, getting away from other people so that you don't have to carry their unwholesome weights around. The only weights that you have to carry around are your own unwholesome thoughts. And then when we see that that's an unwholesome thought, we can throw it out and come back to the present moment. And when we keep doing that over and over and over and over and over again, eventually the mind will kind of settle into or stay into a wholesome state. If we can get that going, then the question is, can you stand up out of the chair that you're in and still maintain that really, really good, gushy uh, sensations and feelings that are associated with the wholesome thoughts. And then can you walk around the room? And then can you say hi to other people and still maintain that? But nobody practices that way. Mm. What they do is they practice in, as whenever they can and what they do, and then they say, okay, it's time to stop now. I've got other stuff to do. And then they go away and they forget all about it. And then granny, or the mother-in-law comes into the room and they're right back into their old state again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the question is, is can you be in a really good state and granny or the mother-in-law come into the room and you can maintain that good state? Because if you're not in that good state and they walk into the room, it's going to be really hard to get yourself into that good state while they're there because they're going to be adding... They're saying, what the hell are you doing? Meditation is no good. You ought to get out there and make some money so that you can have my my grandbabies. You know, that's the kind of attitude that they're going to have. And the question is, what attitude do you have when you're having to listen to other people's crap? Because that's about the only thing that you're ever going to get from anybody else is their crap. Mm-hmm. Because they want something. That's why they're talking to you is because they want something. So we have two worlds to live in, and those two worlds can either be um, uh, divided up in the sense of morning and afternoon. It can be divided up in the sense of five years this and five years that. Or it can be divided up into one minute this and one minute that. Okay, and what is that? Being alone and practicing well and getting the mind straightened out And then the other one is dealing with other people. And if you have the possibility of dealing with other people who are also of a noble mind, then it's easier to deal with other people who are noble rather than people who are ordinary people. But very few Westerners have that opportunity. Mostly what they have is either they're on their own trying to develop nobility are there out in the world. And learning to deal with that world, happily, friendly, is a lot of work. Mm. And the place to learn that is when we're alone. 
to learn to make friends with yourself, to learn to accept that you're just a human, that you make mistakes, that you screw up, that you get angry. All of that kind of stuff is part of self-acceptance. Because if you say, oh, I'm not supposed to be angry, then the next thought will be, oh, I'm not supposed to be angry, therefore I'm not angry. Even when they are angry, they'll say, no, I'm not supposed to be angry, therefore I'm not angry. And now we're in a state of delusion. Mm. Okay, so let's take the rules out of it. And so instead of saying you're not supposed to be angry, we can say, aha, but we all are subject to anger. Let's pay attention to it instead. So on one ground, we have the rule, you shalt not be angry. And here we go around breaking the rule and then we hide from it. Oh, I'm not supposed to break that rule. So let's take the rule out and make it a reality. The reality is, is that you do get angry and that is dukkha. And if I can see the dukkha, then I can come out of it. So we become friends with ourselves in the sense of, yes, I'm even friends with the angry me. Because the angry me needs a friend too. <laughs> yeah. And so we can come out of the anger because we can see it for what it is, see that it's a dukkha and recognize, oh, I don't have to be angry right now. And my choices would be either to not be angry or to be angry and do nothing about it. I do not have the choice of being angry and doing something about it because I'm sitting here alone. I can't do anything about it other than deal directly with the anger. And we get into the method and the, and the actions of doing it that way so that when we have to then go out and deal with the world, we can deal with the world in that same way. Right. And so if we get angry at the world, we'll see, oh, that's anger. And I don't need it. It is uncomfortable. Why should I bother to get angry at that world when I'm in fact practicing to become friends with my angry self? Now, when I'm angry out in public, I can also be friends with my anger and the people who are there triggering my anger. That I can't blame them for my anger. They're my friends too. And so we begin to get that uh, idea of friendship going even for the world. That remember when someone says, oh, the world is really, really screwed up. I mean, look at American politics, look at the war in uh, wherever, uh, Kosovo Ukraine. or Ukraine or Vietnam, wherever the war is. Oh, that's so terrible. And look how much suffering there is. But what we have to look at is, is that those thoughts are in a mind. It's not the reality, it's only the reality of the guy who has that mind. Because it's also possible like a guy like me and says, oh, well, the world's a wonderful place. It's got a whole lot of wonderful people that are sometimes unhappy. And you see, now we're changing the attitude about the world. The, atti the, the attitude is, is that the world is not a dangerous, terrible place that we have to avoid. Now it's something that we can handle easily with friendship. And so basically, there's just one practice, and that is to learn to nurture, care for yourself, 
to be friends with yourself. And when you get good at that, then you can go out and be friends with the people that would be ordinarily really hard to be friends with those people. Hmm. So for people that you find hard, it, it would it, is it best just to avoid them if you don't feel you're ready for that? Or That's exactly right. That in fact, uh, um, the correct solution would be to take a hike. And I give students a lot of different possibilities like that. One one would be say, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom right now. I'll be back in 10 minutes. And we go into the bathroom and we, oh, I can handle that guy. Oh, yeah, he's my friend. Oh, and 10 minutes later, we can go back and we can get back into a conversation with him. So take a hike. One of the students that I had this was way back when um, Trump was still the president. And this guy, uh, his, his dad was watching Fox News nonstop, except he was not a fan of Donald Trump. He hated Donald Trump. Why is he sitting there watching Fox News if he hates Donald Trump? <laughs> and then uh the son our friend walks in and he has to deal with his dad and he tries to cheer his dad up can't do it there's no reason to continue to try to cheer dad up dad doesn't want to be cheered up he wants to be pissed off at fox news and so that's the time then for the son to leave to walk out let dad do what dad's going to do Maybe two hours later, after Dad's turned Fox News off, he's not so angry at Fox News. Now we can go in and have a talk with Dad. Okay, so, but if two hours later we go to have a talk with Dad and he's still really pissed off, we don't want to listen, what do we do then? We take a hike. We go away. And we come back again later. And maybe Dad will be in a good mood eventually, and then we can talk to him. Or maybe he, we uh, can develop the skills so that even though that dad's pissed off, we can still joke and laugh with him and change his mood. But it's always the same little practice of gladdening the mind. It's the same little practice of getting our feelings under control so that we can feel the way that we want to feel. These are the simple parts to it. Now, if someone says, oh, I want to ordain and they go and ordain and they go off and be a monk, that'll give them an opportunity to really get their mind cleared out so that when they do have to deal, say, with lay people, they could do that happily. But a new monk or a young monk who can't deal with people well and happily, the best thing for him to do is to say, oh, well, I've got an appointment, I've got to go, and then he leaves. Now, some Christians and philosophers will come into this conversation and say, wait a minute, you're lying. You're telling little white lies. The answer to that is yes, because we're not in the business of making sure that we tell the truth 100% of the time. We're into let's not cause problems, let's not cause dukkha for other people. 
And that's the rule. Duca, Duca, Naroda. Not thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not lie is an additional side point. Because often lies will cause dukkha, but in this particular case, lying to somebody doesn't cause dukkha. In fact, the lie will prevent the dukkha. Okay. In that regard, if a husband goes and has an affair outside of the marriage, and then he comes back home and feels guilty about it, the very worst thing that he could do is to confess to his wife. That's the worst thing that he can do. Maybe he should go and confess to a very good friend or maybe a preacher or a priest, or if he's gotten really lucky, he can go to a monk, a bhikkhu, and confess to them and get it off his chest. Mm. But if he goes and confesses to his wife, that's going to piss her off big time. So you don't create, just because you want to be honest, you don't create dukkha with it. That the important thing first is friendship. Friendship comes before honesty. Otherwise, our honesty is only being brutally honest. So uh, the, the young man that we were talking about with his dad, it's not correct for him to say his dad, hey, dad, you're so pissed off. I don't even want to talk to you now. I'm out of here. That's the truth. But we don't tell that truth. The truth is, is that, oh, I need to go do something and I'm out of here. And then dad is okay. And so this is an important point that we have to understand is, is that if you're going to deal with the world, honesty is not the best policy. Friendship is the best policy. So the friendship would also potentially help with the guilt that you may feel inside. Mm-hmm. Because the guilt is ridiculous, it's useless. The guilt that that guy feels after he's cheated on his wife is only going to get him into trouble. Mm. He should get it off his chest so that he doesn't feel guilty anymore. In fact, uh, the joke is, is he feels so guilty about uh, having an affair, he goes back to the girl that he had the affair with to mm. confess to her. That's stupid. That's really stupid. (laughs) So this is the basic answer to your question is, is that friendship is more important than honesty and having friendship on the inside and self-acceptance on the inside comes before we can have friendship and acceptance to those on the outside. But it's always the same practice. Look at what we're thinking, look at how we're feeling, and make a change. And then feel really good about the change we've made. Congratulate ourselves. Yeah, we can handle this. Yeah, I can handle Dad with his television and his anger at Fox News. Then, in fact, if I really got my mind together, I could sit down with him and watch Fox News with him. Then I can say, oh, look at that. That's so funny. Dad wants to get angry at it. And I can say, oh, no, it's funny. Look how ridiculous they are. Mm. And then you can teach the dad how to see Fox News as seeing funny and ridiculous rather than seeing it as an object of hatred. 
but it always has to do with what mental state do you have because you always are going to affect the people who are around you just like they affect you. So the question is, who wins that affection contest? Okay, and what I'm referring to right now is in within the uh, the teaching of the Brahma Viharas, which has metta, karuna, mudita, and opaka. We're talking about mudita now, which is often translated as sympathetic joy. But in fact, all feelings are sympathetic. That in fact, if someone is angry, their primary business is to get everybody around them angry at the same thing that they're angry at. Mm. With one exception, if I'm angry at you, then I want to treat you so that you become angry at me. But if I'm angry at the bank, I want you to be angry at the bank. If I'm angry at the government, I want you to be angry at the government because that justifies my anger. That's what the news does, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what the news does, is is that it's all propaganda. The people at the news station have two businesses. One is that they hate a whole bunch of things political-wise, and they want to tell you about all the stuff that they hate. And number two, they want to make a profit off of it. So in the news business, they have the, uh, uh, the, the motto, if it bleeds, it leads. So traffic accidents, murders, dangerous situations are always going to be on the front page. And the happy news you have to read on page 11. Mm-hmm. If it's in the newspaper at all, there's no happy news. Why? Because happy news doesn't sell newspapers. Nobody's going to pay a quarter or a dollar to read about happy news. But they will read about the accidents and the bridge falling and the uh, uh, the cop that got shot and all of that kind of stuff. They want. Okay, so this is this is news. Whether it's on the newspaper, or the news internet, or on cable news or any place like that, the business of these places is to create a sense of non-well-being. How else are you going to get people to vote? I mean, if people lived in their country and and most of the people in the country were quite happy, comfortable, then they wouldn't be prone to vote. No, you need people to be pissed off and angry or wanting something. So greed, ill will, and delusion is the motto of the news. They want you to go vote. They want you to go vote by by either getting you ticked off at one group or promising something to you that you want. And so the Democrats, they're on the side of, oh, I want you to vote for me so that I can help you do this. And the Republicans are so, oh, I want you to vote for us because we too, like you, are really, really pissed off at the Democrats or at the blacks or at the Muslims or at the Jews or at the immigrants or whoever that we're angry at. We want you to be angry enough at them so that you'll come vote the way that we want you to vote. Mm. Okay, that's the ordinary world. How is a Buddha dude, how is a Dhamma dude going to deal with that? 
the number one easy way to do with it is to ignore it, to get away from it, to throw it out, to get into seclusion. But once we get our mind together and happily, now we can go back and sit down and watch the news with dad without getting affected the way that dad was affected in that story that I told. That I could sit there and I can watch the news, I can watch Donald Trump, and I can say, wow, what a, what a master clown he is. Mm, yeah. Look at how many people's minds he is able to control, and he's a buffoon. What a show this is. Wow, I could really enjoy a show like that and begin to see then that the propaganda of the news is just a matter of a show. It's just the way that the the system world works, but it's not my problem. Mm. And so I introduce to you the concept NMB. Learn this well. NMB, not my problem. NMB, not my business. That you make your business things that are going to be helpful and useful and valuable and wholesome for people. And the stuff that uh, is a problem, that's not my problem. That's not my business. Hmm. The news, that's not my problem. It's not my business, but it is my entertainment. It's quite a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Because I'm no longer emotionally involved with it. I, my emotionally involvement is with joy, pleasure, friendship, nurturing. And so that's going to be your business. Politics, arrest warrants, news, all of that stuff, not my business. Yeah. So this is how you could deal with the world is first off, all of those problems out there, not your business. An example would be, let us say, because it's such a long term thing, global warming or uh, climate change. And a lot of people are very, very freaked out about it. I mean, even in New Zealand, people are beginning to see the effects of climate change. Guess what? They don't like it. They mm. don't like it. Okay. What are they going to do now that they don't like it? Well, Adamadu is going to sit there and say, hey, if it's going to get hotter, I can handle that. If I can handle the heat of right now, I can handle the heat of uh, uh, New Zealand when it begins to warm up. A lot of people would, in fact, would like New Zealand to warm up. Yeah. <laughs> and so the demonstrators don't want it to change. They want it to be the way that it is now. They go out and they demonstrate. Sometimes they'll even get, like in the United States, they'll fly in an airplane just to go to a rally. And they're burning. I mean, if you're going to want to have global warming, if you want to actually do something about global warming, don't drive, don't travel, don't use electricity, live a natural life. Mm, mm, mm. Right. But people don't do it in the West. They say, oh, no, global warming is my problem. I've got to go demonstrate. I've got to go talk to politicians. I've got to start hating the oil industry and all kinds of stuff like that. To where the reality is that global warming is not my business. 
My business is, can I handle it? And so that kind of idea then gets us out of wanting to fix things. I mean, there are so many things that need to be fixed, for instance, with one party or another. But if I sit there and think about how can I fix the Republican Party, I'm just making myself miserable. Yeah. But if I say, oh, the Republican Party, they can take care of themselves okay. And I don't have to help them. They probably don't even want my help. Mm. So this is the reason actually in, in, in a way we can say that this is why Buddhism doesn't proselyze. We don't go out trying to convert people, but we're very happy to talk to the Dhamma, talk Dhamma about uh, to people who want it. And so that's the way of going is, is that talk to people about the things that they want to talk about. This is also part of the generosity, unless they want to talk about misery and suffering and all of that. And now we can change it a little bit so that we can get them happy again. So going back to that issue of, of the mudita, if somebody is really angry, they've got the power. And you all you have to do as a defense is joy. But can your joy grow so that it's so big that it actually will overpower the anger? You've heard of the issue of a spoonful of sugar will help the medicine go down? Mm-hmm. Well, a spoonful of sugar means nothing to somebody who's angry. We need a five-gallon bag. No, we need a ton. Let's go get a backhoe and cover him with sugar. That's how you can get somebody out of anger, is by keeping on and on and on, repeating it, giving them something nice. Mm-hmm. And so we can, in fact, get people out of their anger, but we have to recognize that if we're not careful, we will start to vibrate sympathetically with their anger. Because that's what they want. Mm. But you don't have to once you recognize that. Oh, he just wants to get me angry. I don't have to get angry. He's my friend. Let me treat him like a friend. And so it goes back to a very, very basic practice is to look at the kind of thoughts we have and to make a change to remember to look and to change. And that's really all there is to it. Mm. Yeah. I find sometimes it's like I've experienced that many times where a friend may be trying to bring me to their level and sometimes I find it's just better to say nothing and just to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Listen with a smile. Nod and joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you can actually affect people just with those mannerisms. How you stand, how you smile will affect people. This is why waking up and paying attention to what's going on, including the body, pay attention to your body language, pay attention to their body language. Pay attention to your body, the body language, pay attention to the way you feel and pay attention to the thoughts that you're having. And if they're 
anger is overpowering you, then the right thing to do is to take a hike. Get out of there. And then when you leave, congratulate yourself. Well, I'm sure glad I left that one. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing, and let's do it this way. The first thing is to get your own mind together. Get yourself friendly with yourself. Accept yourself foibles and all. Allow yourself to be okay. Everything is all right. And now we go and we test the world. And we come in and we say, wait a minute, I'm not ready. Let me get some more. And then we go back and wait a minute, I'm not ready again. Now I can come three seconds. Now I have to leave. Ten seconds this time. And now I have to leave. Okay, mm. then 10 minutes and then I have to leave and pretty soon. Yeah, I can handle this. And so it's a matter of training. Mm. So I would say dealing with the world would be very much like weightlifting. You can't lift 200 kilograms of bad feelings, but you can lift one kilogram of bad feelings and we could do that over and over again. Get some strength built up. So that I can handle a little bit of bad feelings. And by doing that, I now can handle other people's bad feelings better. Mm. So one or way to you can occasionally go to the watt and be around other happy people and then it's easy lifting. Yeah. One way to recognize that those negative feelings will be the heaviness that sometimes you can feel. Mm -hmm. right. That's why we have phrases in English like getting it off her chest. Why? Because it's heavy. Mm. Anxiety is heavy. Stress is heavy. Guilt is heavy. And we need to set that stuff down. Get it off our chest. Come back to being in a friendly state. So how can you do that? Well, you've already given you the key. The key is, is that to look. And when you feel heavy, aha, there is heaviness. I see you heaviness. And now I can do something about it. But most people will go into a conversation that gets heavy and neither one of them know how heavy it is. But here you are starting to look and you can recognize all oh, this this conversation is getting heavy let me get out of here mm -hmm. and then later all oh, this conversation is getting heavy let me turn it around depends upon your skill level if you can't turn it around and it gets heavy get out mm -hmm. take a hike there's, there's an old story. It comes out of Shakespeare. Um, I think. Oh, no, it doesn't. But it's, it, uh, it, it references Shakespeare. You probably heard the, the phrase, when the tough get going. No, when, when the going gets tough, the mm -hmm. tough get going. Yeah. You've heard that? That's, or, that's ordinary worldly stuff. In our phrase... The intermediate place would be when the going gets tough, the bard go drinking. 
But the third one is when the going gets tough, the Buddha takes a hike. Mm-hmm. When the going gets tough, get out. And then, in fact, in the suttas, there are four major references for that. The monks should not stay in or live in a war zone. They should get out. Also, if there is a flood or if there is a a famine or if there is a lack of food, then the monks should get out. Why should they get out? Because that leaves the food that would be there for those people who don't get out. And the monks should get out and go someplace where there is food. Also, the same thing would be with disease. If you've got a community of the Black Plague, don't stay in that community. Get out. Mm. That that was the advice for COVID. When COVID comes, get out. And the nurses got, so many nurses got sick with COVID because they didn't get out when the, when the COVID patients came to the hospital. They stayed in the hospital and they got sick. All right. So in all of these cases, the Buddha's recommendation is to, to leave. Go, go someplace else. Find a better place to be. And so if you're having an argument with somebody, the best thing to do is to leave. Go to the toilet. Go to the moon. It doesn't matter. Get out. Because a monk by himself, for instance, he can't solve a famine. That's too big. You can't solve global warming. There's so many things that we cannot do. We cannot solve. We are weak. We're just a human. But there is so much we can do, like put on a smile, taking a hike, changing our attitude. That we can do. Yeah, because that sort of leads me into another thought in terms of with the expectations, sometimes other people, but also mostly ourselves, we we put on ourselves and potentially from our upbringing, expectations from family, friends, and also expectations of ourselves, Mm -hmm. which can lay very heavy on. Right. Well, those expectations that you're calling would be in the reference that we're using is rules. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. The society expects you to do that. Right? There's rules here. You got to follow the rules, right? Guess what? The rules generally make us feel bad. Because our standards and our rules are too high. Those expectations are too much. Stop expecting so much from yourself and just accept yourself the way that you already are. That's not much expectation, is it? There's not much of a rule, is it? Just everything's already okay. Love yourself warts and all and stop expecting so much from you yourself and that also alleviates you from having to expect so much other stuff from other people that you only expect the things from people when they agree happily to do it but other than that don't expect anything from anybody because you'll wind up feeling bad and probably blame them for not doing what you wanted them to do 
because you didn't even convey your expectations. You just expected that they would know what your expectations were. That's why the society is so messed up is because we got so many expectations and we expect everybody to expect the same things as we do. And then you have culture clashes. The example is the Muslims will expect you to behave a certain way and the Christians expect you to a certain way. And if you don't know the difference, you can't move back and forth between those two communities without causing yourself problems. But if you know what they expect, et cetera, like that, from both of these communities, you'll probably want to avoid both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Because of those expectations that you don't you don't want to uh, to deal with. So yes, that expectation is in fact goes hand in hand exactly. These would be considered in Buddhism the first two fetters. The fetter of personality view, who am I? I'm who I'm supposed to be. And who I am is defined by the expectations that I have for who I'm supposed to be. And so then the second fetter is not the personality view, it's the expectations themselves. And when we recognize that we're only trying to do what we're supposed to do based upon a set of rules that were defined in childhood. Many of them are appropriate, but a lot of them are not appropriate. Uh, An example of that is when you approach somebody that perhaps you already know them, or maybe you're just walking into a store and you say hi to the clerk or hello. That's a ritual. It's an introduction ritual. And we expect that. We expect these little rituals. That you and I go through it when we talk on Skype. All the people do. They'll say something like, how are you? How are you doing? Glad to see you. All of that kind of stuff. Those are expectations that are, let us say, at least only innocuous. But there's a whole lot of expectations that are downright dangerous. Like each person expects the other person to shut up and give me a chance to talk. Yeah. I expect you to shut your mouth so that I can talk. And he's having the same expectation of you. And there's where the argument comes in is who gets to talk. Mm-hmm. And it's only because the expectations of the rules are different. And if you can change your rules, oh, I expect him to talk. And he expects me to talk. And now we have silence. There's no problem with the silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so much about the expectations. Start looking at what your expectations are because you can change those once you see them. Mm. So. When you see them, you can change them. And now, here's the only expectation that's left. There's really only one expectation. There's also, we could say, there's only one rule. And what is that one rule? It's the teaching of the Buddha. Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. I expect you not to cause me grief. And then later I can say, I expect that any grief that you can give me doesn't stick. 
So it's all about dukkha, dukkha, naroda. If you can stop the dukkha right now, and back to the earlier part of our conversation would be that if you see the situation getting tense, uptight, then the right thing to do is this is dukkha. Let's take a hike and get into dukkha, naroda. Let's walk away. Let's say goodbye. Let's have an appointment we got to go to. Let's look at the watch and say, oh, look at the time. I got to go. Or something like, I've got to go to the bathroom. Anything that will get you out of the dukkha. Until you got your Mac really well together. And then when that dukkha comes, you can say, no dukkha. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, why don't we finish the call now? I think that you've gotten this. Yeah, I have. It's been very helpful, Don Riley. Thank you very much. All righty. Good to see you again, friend. Great to see you, Don Riley. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>